everybody, and welcome to Before the Downbeat, a musical podcast. I am Harvey Firestein, and I'm here today to welcome two wonderful hosts. Please welcome the Canadian B. Arthur, director extraordinaire, Lady of Muskoka, Autumn Smith. Yay! <laughs> I am here. And who, Harvey, is our other phenomenal host? Well, he's the ginger-haired man of the podcast. The man who will one day, hopefully, play Edna himself. Mackenzie Horner. Hello, hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> so happy to be here. Thank you, Harvey, for that intro. Thank you very much. Uh, brilliant. <laughs> That's, it's brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> All right, hello everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome Welcome. to another episode. Yes, thank you so much. Exactly. And Autumn, this time, what are we doing? Well, we are doing da 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 hairspray. Is a girl power and punch? Is it charm? Is it poise? No, it's hairspray. What gets a gal asked out to lunch? Is it brains? Is it dough? No, it's hairspray. That is right. We are breaking out the the bottles of hairspray. We're going back to the 1960s. We're going to go have some fun in that time period with this really kind of funky, cool, hit musical yeah that took broadway by storm when it came out yeah surprisingly i think it was a surprise that it took broadway by storm which is great Mm -hmm. it needed to yes it also started the trend maybe it started the trend well i think it elevated the trend of adapting movies into musicals yeah because because up to then I, I, i i up to then i mean i mean you had the producers which was which was a movie turned musical. You then had this, yeah, which is a Eastwick. Like, like early two thousands, there was a lot of exploration into taking that type of source material and <laughs> adapting it. They were running out of ideas. That's, that's I don't know. The thing. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you can say running out of ideas just because you're not taking a, a source material from a book doesn't mean you're running out of an idea. I mean, how many years did we? adapt something from a book. I mean, look at the 1980s. You had Cats, Phantom, Les Mis, and Miss Saigon. All big shows that were adapted from some type of novelized, like novel or opera. Opera, yeah. Yeah, I guess so, yeah. We like, like some of our biggest shows we've ever had. Green Girl the Lilacs based, it became Oklahoma. Lillian, William be, became... Carousel. You have you have you have you have Fiddler on the Roof being based off of the show Malecum stories. Like Broadway takes a lot of ad- adaptation of something else and turns it into a show. That's just what we do. So sorry, people. I don't. I, I disagree when you say Broadway because we made Beetlejuice the musical is running out of ideas. And we made Legally Blonde. And we did. We made Tootsie. And yeah. Yeah. We know Mrs. Doubtfire. Mean Girls, Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, that, that was that was in previews before COVID. Uh, what other ones do you have? I mean, there there's a whole bunch that are. I mean, Disney is adapting Princess Bride. Nine to five. Nine to five. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of these movie musicals that 
all kind of came from film first. And it's just another way of adaptation, just like how we adapted Les Mis from a book or Hunchback Notre Dame from a book. It's just another yeah. style of, uh, of source material. So true. true. And even Shakespeare, I mean, like even Shakespeare back in the day, he took his ideas from other stories. Yes. That he then repurposed yeah. into his own. That's that, Theater has done that for years. The only original, original people were the Greeks and the Romans because they were the first. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. And since then, we've been copying our way through history. People, let's just accept that we're just adapting from a new media form. And, yeah. and we're still yeah. going to get book adaptations, too, along the way. But, like, that's what we're doing. Yeah, I... I... So... Yeah, it's, yeah, it's become more set. Yes. And I look at something like Jason Robert Brown, who took an article about a murder and wrote Parade. Do you know what yes. I mean? Like, it's almost mm -hmm. like there's some devising to good, you know, the, mm -hmm. these have become like musical standards. What's going to sell? What, what can we commercialize to make money? Well, of course. They go, well, they go into yeah. the, you know, they go into the MGM catalog, Cameron Macintosh style, and they yeah, go, yes. oh, they find this the popular one. one. Yeah. So yeah. some yes. things I think make great musicals, and sometimes I think we're stretching. Yes. There's some movies that lend themselves to being turned into a musical. There are some films, like this one. This one had a great... It's great. Concept for turning it into a musical. There was something in that that lent itself to being well. It, it knew its audience. It knew mm -hmm. its audience, right? Mm -hmm. This is this is in the league with Rocky Horror, with yeah, um, Little Shop, Little Shop. Like this is mm -hmm. camp with purpose. Well, all camp yes. has purpose. Camp is camp is camp because it has purpose. It's not yes. just shtick for you know shtick yes. reasons shtick, right shtick. Yeah. it actually mm -hmm. has it has an underlying political motivator and i think yeah. that is what makes camp unique mm -hmm. you know yeah that's very true so that's very true so autumn speaking of hairspray and camp why don't you tell us why you chose this to be a season two episode <laughs> look at this is probably the one of the only musicals that I listen to all the way through. I, mm -hmm. It's so singable. It's so catchy. It's, it highlights perceived otherness in such a beautiful way. It's uh, the heroine is this outrageous, uh, spunky, larger than life, a girl and you know like it she's she's proud she's great and um there's there's you know people want to shame her for being heavier heavier than normal yeah or what's normal who are we yeah. perceive normal right it's true there you go there's the question societal normal but she's mm -hmm. fantastic she's the best dancer in the show and yeah cares like who cares who cares about size and that is what i love about the show is it's like nothing matters except the dancing and the music and the care mm -hmm. and it doesn't 
anyone can do this. You, you don't have to be a skinny, white, middle-class person to be popular. And yeah. I, I, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. I think it's, I think it's fabulous. I think, you know, the fact that the mother is like played by played in drag is great. And that is a situation which is done on purpose, right? It's like this Mm -hmm. really larger than larger than life in many ways, right? Personality and the, 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 you know, the pairing with the father, I mean, that's, it's comic gold. It's comic gold. So it is. In, We're going to talk about that way, in our top three songs. In a different way, mm-hmm. it's different from the producers, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because everything here is sincere. It's it's genuine. It's genuine. There's nothing cheap about it. You get mm-hmm. to see someone in drag, and of course, to in drag means you know Harvey Firestein, who originated the role is very gay. So there's like an examination of that. There's an examination Mm -hmm. of body image. There's an an examination of class in a very large way in this show. Yes. And, you know, it's done with such articulate beauty and play. Mm -hmm. And that uh, is what I love about it. I think it is Mm -hmm. one of it is one of my favorite musicals because it is infectious. Yeah. And it, it like makes the underdogs the heroes of the piece. It does. It's a true underdog musical. Yeah. And, it, and it it's beautiful. Them, it makes the rest of the world wake up. And I think people go away going, oh, I think it's a thinking musical. Yeah. Well said. Well said. So for anybody who doesn't know what the heck Hairspray is, Autumn, give us a plot summary here. What are we? What is this show? I mean, it's about Tracy Turnblatt. Yes. Um, and Tracy is, you know, she's a, a kid in Baltimore, living her best life. She is heavier. So, you know, that is, creates her otherness for her. Yeah. And there is this Corny Collins dance hour that all the kids in town want to be part of and they're having auditions yeah. because one of their dancers got knocked. <laughs> yeah, that's the uh, one of the jokes. Welcome to the season. We'll see you in nine months. And so they have this huge, huge like audition process. And Tracy goes and she gets laughed out of the room and then she gets hired yeah. and you know the the male lead who was with, you know, Amber. The blonde, yeah. The blonde, yeah, the blonde. perfect. The bl- Girl, character. He he falls in love with Tracy instead. Yeah, so it's all about empowerment for the underdog, and you know, and, and then, then you have race as, relations to throw as, in on that. As it goes through, you know, you have the introduction of civil rights through yes. through this and and segregation. You know, they they have the the is it the Negro Hour? Um, Negro every, Day. It's ne- yeah, Negro, Negro Day. Day. Negro Day. <laughs> it's like what sound I. It was a thing they did back then. It was a thing they did on television and radio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Tracy protests with... um, Motormouth Mabel. Motormouth Mabel. And at the end, little Inez 
the African-American younger sister of one of the leads wins the prize as the in the movie she does. In the movie she does, not in the play. In the st- yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the stage show, it's Tracy who wins. Yeah. I like I like the fact that little Inez wins, actually. I do. I, I, actually love, I actually love that part of the movie, where, especially in the exchange between Courtney Collins and Velma Von Tussle, where she's like, she uh, can't win it. And then Courtney's like, yeah, she can. It's in claws, whatever, whatever, whatever that we have. And it's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. I, who like, put that clause in there? I forgot that they that Tracy won it in the original. Well, we're all she rooting does. for Tracy. We're all rooting well, for her. She's it's her story. Won. It's her story. But she's already won. Mm-hmm. So in a way, that turn in the movie works better because it's a it surprise. Does. It's a surprise. It is. And you're like, yeah. oh, that's great. Everyone wins. And Tracy has yes. a flink. And, you know, the Von Tussles kind of, I think, get it together. It's hard to know. In in, in the stage show, they're given a a more empathetic ending than in the movie. In the movie, they they, they have a much, not even a sadder demise. It's just, they get a little more of their comeuppance at the end of the movie. And we're going to talk about the adaptations because this is a very interesting musical for adaptation where the the book has been continually adjusted throughout the different interpretations they've done in this musical. But that's so we're going to get into that for sure. But Autumn, why don't you give us a rundown on the production issue? Because we have one carryover person from last episode, actually. We do. And then the rest, it's all new again. Like, this sh- like yeah, every episode this season so far has been a new creative team. We, this is uh, a like, long one, so I'm going to go pretty quickly. Are you ready? Do it, Autumn. So Fire I'm going to start once again with the source material. The source material hey. that this came from was a movie, and the movie was done by John Waters, who Perfect. was basically a B-movie extraordinaire, Cam all the way. He's great. Waters rose to prominence in the early 70s for his transgressive cult films, including Multiple Maniacs, Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble, and of course, Hairspray. He has also written and directed other successful films, Polyester, Cry Baby, which was made into a musical, Serial Mom, Pecker, and Cecil B. Demented. And the original, the original Hairspray film starred Ricky Lake, Divine, and the recently departed Jerry Yes. Mm. Oh. Serenity now! I know. Oh my God. He's so good. I, I loved him. He, he's wonderful. The, the composer was Mark Shaman. Okay. And he's an American composer and lyricist. He works a lot with Scott Whitman, uh, who the lyricist on Broadway, their Broadway shows. I mean, they're, okay. they're best known for Hairspray, but they also mm-hmm. wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Catch Me If You Can. Those are okay. their those are their big notable ones. Okay. Shaman, however, he's great. I I, I want to give a little bit of info on him because he's there's something mm-hmm. great about him. He's married to a lieutenant commander mm-hmm. in a gay relationship, which I think is pretty extraordinary. That is that is extraordinary. Military. He wrote prolifically as a music arranger for Bette Midler, and he became her musical director and co-producer. For things such as, you know, The Wind Beneath My Wings and From a Distance. Yeah, of course. Those little little nuggets. Oh, those little Um, goodies. And he also wrote 
her material for the penultimate Tonight Show episode with Johnny Carson. He works with both Midler and Billy Crystal, and that led to his involvement in film. He's got so many film credits. Are you ready? Broadcasting Beaches, When Harry Met Sally, City Slickers, The Addams Family, Sister Act, Sleepless in Seattle, A Few Good Men, The American President, First Wives Club, uh, Team America, World Police, Mary Poppins Returns, like just wow. like on and on and on and on. He, in 2008, he wrote a political piece called Prop 8, The Musical. And What's it that? was to protest the passage of California Proposition Number 8, which was an amendment to change California constitutional law to eliminate the right of same-sex couples to marry in California. Seriously? In California of all places? That's like... It was the time, right? Apparently. 2008. Yeah. He wrote this mini musical. That was a video. And it was distributed Mm -hmm. on the intranet. And it it starred Jack Black, Neil Patrick Harris, John C. Riley, Allison Chaney, Andy Richter, Maya Rudolph, and Margaret Cho, and Rashida Jones. So that, that is a little bit about him. Just a fascinating, fascinating human being. And yeah. he, he works a lot with Scott Whitman, as I said. Whitman wrote for Saturday Night Live. He also directed concerts for Bette Midler, Mikel Welsh, Dame Edna, and Lip Sinka. He did Hairspray, Catch Me If You Can, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And they wrote Catch Me If You Can with Terrence McNally by the way. Yes. The, the two of them, interestingly enough, also wrote the score for Bombshell, which was the musical about Marilyn Monroe. Yes, I was Smash. inside the container of Smash. A I show have- with a great concept that just had too much networky basic plot that, uh, that, that just ruined the show. The, the original concept of it, of the, of, of the idea of a, a TV show about making a Broadway musical, Great. fantastic. The minute you add in double-crossing relationships and sleeping Catholic with these me. different people, yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she definitely wasn't my... I, I was always an Ivy person, 100% over Catherine. I, I couldn't watch it. I, 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 I went back to Glee. Uh, that's <laughs> it pulled on all my hearts it pulled on all the strings that show glee it did i know i know some of it was absolutely abhorrent i i didn't care it i i felt like i was in high school again li- living it really we started out good and then it kind of overstayed its welcome they should have finished they should have ended the show with them all gra- with the original group graduating and yes be done you didn't need to do 2.0 with the, with I know, the, with the vanilla cat. It was so camp in its last last couple of years. It was it was funny. It was that was <laughs> that was the humor. And our friend Matthew Morrison, who played the original Link Larkin as as Mr. Shu, I, I, I we're going to get into him because there's an interesting backstory with him being cast as Link. So we will get into that. So th- that's that's Shaman and Whitman. Then the, the book was a collaborative effort between our friend Thomas Meehan, who we His talked third about show. at nauseum twice before yes. in both Annie and the producers. And I'm sure we will get to his wonderful young Frankenstein at some point. 
We uh, won't. That is that is down the road. A few seasons. He away. just he he just he gets it, eh? Like mm-hmm. this guy. He does. He, he's very. It's so interesting that he can write different things. Like I, that's what fascinates me about him. Like Annie is so different from the producers, which is so different from Hairspray. Well, what he does well is he knows organically where the story needs a song. Yeah. And he knows what, like, I, I, that's what he knows really yeah. well. Like, that's when, like, you watch the producers or any, the spots in, the, in those musicals where there is a song yeah. totally fits. Like, even in Young Frankenstein, which, as our caddy pointed out, is not as good as the producers, but still, when you watch a certain moment, like, he was my boyfriend, like, in the movie, of course, you think, well, if you're going to put a song in a musical... Of course, Frau Luke is going to have a song during that high moment. He just yeah. organically can watch a movie or, or look at source material and go, yes, that is where you need to do a song. Yeah, he gets it. I, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a huge Mian fan. I, I, I agree, Because he's, you know, he's written several hits. Like he's, and they're all so different. I think, you know, variety is, is the spice of life. He, he's got it, man. He's got it. Yes, he does. Yes. He co-wrote Hairspray with a fellow called Mark O'Donnell, who's an American mm-hmm. writer and humorist. And he was a playwright, uh, primarily, that's It Folks, Fable for Friends, The Nice and the Nasty, Strangers on Earth, Vertigo Park. He also wrote the books and lyrics for the musical Tots and Tinseltown. Mm-hmm. And, and along with Bill Irwin, he wrote Scapin, or Scapin. A 1997 play adapted from Moliere's original. He also was a writer for Saturday Night Live in the 80s. So Mm -hmm. that is them. And then we move on to the director, who was Jack O'Brien. He was the original director of the piece. He was the artistic director of the Old Globe Theater in San Diego from 81 through to 2007. That's a long Uh, run. It is. That is a long, long run. He won three Tony Awards and was nominated for seven more. He's won five Mm -hmm. Drama Desk Awards. Uh, He did his most famous musical, obviously, is Hairspray, but also The Mm -hmm. Full Monty, which we kind of Uh, talked on yesterday. We did. Uh, We did allude to it. We will talk about it eventually. Yeah. And then he also did The Piano Lesson, The Invention of Love, The Coast of Utopia, and, you know, he, he was, he was the, an all-around guy. Like, he did Shakespeare, he did Hamlet, and Henry... Did III. he die? I think he did. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. I'll have Let's to... say, I, I don't think he's dead. I don't know. I don't think he is either. Anyway, he also directed opera. Mm-hmm. He's worked yeah. at the Met. And he, he is also associated with notorious Broadway failures. In 1982, oh. he wrote the lyrics and co-wrote the book for The Selling of the President which closed after five performances. And he also Ooh. co-produced the stage adaptation of the oldest living Confederate widow tells all, which closed after one performance. See, so, maybe Max and Luke hired him. Y- yes. Yes. He, the Max from the, yeah, absolutely. At that point in his career. Sure. And yeah. then of course the choreographer was Jerry Mitchell Yes. And Mitchell started as a dancer, uh, Will Rogers Follies, and in mm-hmm. revivals of Brigadoon and On Your Toes. Yeah. His first choreography credit was for the premiere of Jekyll and Hyde. 
And then mm-hmm. he went on to do You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and The mm-hmm. Old Monty. Yeah. Uh, he was named in 2003 one of Dance Magazine's 25 to watch. And then he went on to direct and choreograph Legally Blonde, the musical. Another, another hit. Kinky Boots. Guaranteed. Ah, there you go. That's it. Well That's done. Wow. Wow, you plowed through that at a good pace. Thank you. Let's see if I can keep the pace up. So, uh, as you alluded to, this was the, the, this originally started out as a film by John Waters. He started out making short films in 1964 when he was 18 years old. Mm-hmm. His first feature length was in 1969. One of his main muses was Divine, which is why he kept bringing Divine back for all projects. So, his, but the idea of Hairspray came from when he read an article in Baltimore Magazine about a reunion featuring the stars of the Buddy Dean Show, which was a local show very similar to what would become the Courtney Collins Show. So the whole idea started reading this, like, um, like a reunion article. So he then did the film, which proved to be a hit. It was one of the first big hits for, this, for, for, for the production company New Line Cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, it got, it moved, this film moved John Waters to being a mainstream uh, director. Uh, Divine earned the best reviews of their career, but unfortunately, Divine died two weeks after the film's release from an enlarged heart. But Ricky Lake uh, has said in interviews that it wasn't until the first time she saw the film in early screens that she realized she was the star of the movie. Ah, that's cute. And she went on, and she and she went on to be one of the youngest people to ever have their own talk show. Film comes out, big hit, and then and then it kind of goes into the land of movie rentals and B movies, which is where Margot Lyon, who is a theater producer, saw the film in 1998 when they rented it hmm. from their local video store. And she said, "I was home uh, looking at a lot of movies, and I thought it was and I thought it was a really great source material to adapt." Yeah. So she contacted John Waters, who gave her his blessing, and then and then she acquired the rights from New Line Cinema. She then con- she then contacted um, Mark Shaman, who expressed interest in the project. Only if his partner Scott Whitman could participate, Lion agreed. So bada bing, bada boom, you're now lining up your team. Shaman uh, and Whitman watched the film together, and several lines jumped out at them for ideas for songs. They knew the musical had to begin with Tracy's "Good Morning Baltimore." they wanted to do an homage to Oklahoma with Curly singing Oh What a Beautiful Morning. There's a bright golden haze on the meadow There's a bright golden haze on the meadow. The corn is as high as an elephant's eye. And it looks like it's climbing clear up to the sky. And it's, it's, 
great. It is. It's got so many great lines in there. So good. Like the flasher that lives next door, the drunk on his barroom stool. And they nailed I love it. that. Yeah, the flasher who lives next door. Next door. Awesome. <laughs> I, so many great lines. I love it. I and it's love perky, it. and she's okay with it. Like, yeah, she's so accepting of everybody. I and I love that. Like, it's like, mm-hmm. but it's not. She's not naive. Mm-hmm. It's just like well, they do what they have to do. We do what we yes. have to do to survive here. Yeah, it's a it's a, a song about tenacity, right? It's a beginning, yeah. a tenacious beginning. Yeah, it's it's, it's a song about the working class, which is yeah. which is always a great place to start. Uh, so, so so they recorded the song with actress and singer Annie Golden, and Lyon heard the song and went, "Okay, we're definitely heading in the right direction. I got the right team in place." Shaman and Whitman actually even wrote to John Waters for his opinion, and he even felt they both nailed the tone uh, of his film with that with that song. So, totally, I it's it's so it's it, yeah. Yeah, it's because John Waters is, you know, like he puts stuff out there in a way that is, can't, but it has purpose. You know yes. what I mean? And Shaman and Whitman got that. They all got that. Yeah. creative team really got it. Yes, they did. They absolutely did. So then she brought on the book writers, as we talked about, me and, and uh, Mark O'Donnell. Yeah. Uh, and then her first choice for director was director and choreographer Rob Marshall. They brought, they went to him first. Marshall had just started out his career as a, as a dancer on Broadway before transitioning into choreography on both stage and screen. He agreed to be involved in, in, in the early development stages, but he had, a, he had a condition in his contract that he'd be allowed to drop out at any time as he was in negotiations to direct the film adaptation of Chicago. So ultimately, he did drop out. But Marshall was the one who recommended the original Tracy Turnblad actress, Marissa Jarnett Winonker. And he knew her because of her small appearance in Sam Mendes' film, American Beauty, as the best friend. So Winonker was the first person to audition for the role of Tracy. And so she didn't necessarily get it right away, but she came involved in the workshop. So it was basically kind of like the workshop in Tracy as they worked through the various creation process steps. She still kept training for the role. However, during the process, she was diagnosed with cancer. What? Yeah, she, so she was diagnosed with cancer, but she didn't tell anybody for fear she was going to be replaced. So she was going through chemo and all this other treatments for, for her cancer while doing this workshop stuff. And then three months before the last reading, Marissa found out she was cancer-free. Oh, and, and, my God. And, and, Yeah. Yeah, and then the last uh, read through, she found it. She officially got the role. So, talk oh about God. a whirlwind experience for her. That is that needs to be a movie in itself. I definitely, it definitely has, it definitely has a great idea for 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 for, for a musical or a movie about about a, about a young actress with cancer. Marissa, you need, need to write your story. That needs, yeah. like, talk about tenacity. Yes. And way to go. Way to go, girl. Yeah. Way to go. Like that Absolutely. is. Absolutely. I can't, I can't imagine. I cannot. Uh, yeah. Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm really blown away. I'm that, that. There is... you go. I shocked Autumn. I love it. 
it's it's not shocked. I'm I'm in awe. I'm in awe of mm-hmm. her. Okay, mm-hmm. she, she, Broadway. She's wonderful. Step it up. Yeah, yeah. Step it up, indeed. You don't get um, that every day. Come on. Do, no, it's better. True. Yes, absolutely. In the case uh, of Harvey Firestein. He was brought on as Tracy's mother, Edna Turnblad, because they wanted to keep up the concept that was done in the movie where Divine played the mom. So they were like, great, let's keep the idea of drag and and, uh, cross-dressing with the character that works. And it was because of his Jewish homosexual drag queen character in his play, uh, Torch Song Trilogy, that, that the team went, oh, he could do it. And he won them over. And basically, once they had him, it was like, okay, that makes sense. Um, logical choice. Just yes. Purely logical. Yeah. So basically, after the last reading, Marshall left. That was like that's basically when he had to step up because he was going to go do an Oscar-winning picture. But that opened the door for Jack O'Brien and Jerry Mitchell to come in as director and choreographer, respectively. The show did out-of-town tryouts in Seattle. Not Baltimore for some reason. But yeah, so they, so they do out-of-town tryouts in Seattle. However, the original actor who was cast as Link Larkin was James Carpelnio, but he had to drop out before performances began due to scheduling conflicts. So that's when his understudy ended up taking the role, and his understudy was, as we said, Matthew Morrison. And sure, and sure enough, he went on to do South Pacific, with Kelly O'Hara, he did Glee. So, so the out-of-town charts were very successful. It, it then transferred to Broadway, opening at the Neil Simon Theater on August 15th, 2000, and it be, quickly became the big hit of the season. The cast included Dick Leitza as Wilbur Turnblatt, and then you have Mary, Mary Bond Davis as Motorbelt Maybell, Laura Bell Bundy as Amber Von Tessel, Linda Hart as Velma Von Tessel, Carrie Butler as Penny Pinkleton, Corey Reynolds as Seaweed J. Stubbs, you have uh, Clark Thornell as Corny Collins, and Jackie Hoffman as female authority figures, including Pretty Pinkleton, Gym Teacher, and The Matron. Love it. On February 23rd, 2003, the original cast won the Grammy Award for Best Musical Theater Album, making Hairspray the last Broadway musical to have won the award before receiving a single Tony nomination until... Hamilton. They were nominated for 13 Tony nominations, and they won eight, including Best Musical, Best Book and Score, Best Direction, Best Actress for Marissa, and Best Actor for Harvey Firestein. That's fair. That's uh, all fair. Yeah. All fair. Yeah. All, all, yes. all good. Yeah. And unfortunately, this show fell victim to the Great Recession. And so on January 4, 2009, it played its last Broadway performance and it ran a total of 2,642 uh, performances. Yeah. And then, like many shows at that time, it just had to close because... Because it did. He, it had to close. Yeah. Yeah, there was just no way around it. Uh, however, the show didn't just fade into oblivion. In 2007, it had a film adaptation done. Yeah. Starring John Travolta, Michelle Pfeiffer, Christopher Walken, Amanda Bynes, James Marsden, Queen Latifah, Brittany Snow, Zac Efron, Elijah Kelly, Allison Janney, and it introduced Nikki Blonsky in her feature film debut. It was a critical and financial success, breaking the record for biggest sales at the opening weekend of a movie musical. And it held that title until July 2008 when it was surpassed by Mamma Mia. And then that was surpassed in the same year by High School Musical 3, senior year of that October. No way! Zach yeah. Efron, good year, buddy! Um, my fun bit about that is a lot of it is filmed in Toronto. 
Yes, it is. I, yes, Kyle Golomba, who I was working with during Bye Bye Birdie, had just finished filming his extra work before yeah. coming up to do the show right. in Barry with yeah, Tonka Street. Right. So, yeah, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of folks were in that. Yes. Yeah. I have to go back and watch that movie again just to see if I can spot any Canadian actors again. Because yeah. now that I know a lot more of them, I'm there. sure I will. Yeah. Well, I know Sharon Matthews is in there. Yeah. I know, I, I, I know she's in there. I gotta look at the rest of the cast and see who else we got. So I will do some rewatching yeah. of that for sure. Uh, Hairspray ranks as the 10th highest grossing musical film in U.S. cinema history. And it is in the same list as Chicago, Greece, and Mamma Mia. It stands as one of the most critically, commercially successful films of the 2000s. So there you go. Uh, in, in 2016, NBC had Hairspray as its live musical event of the season, which I know, Autumn, it, it makes your eye twitch, <laughs> those live musical events. But at the same time, it, it introduced Maddie Balio as Tracy. Uh, you had Jennifer Hudson as Motormouth Maybell. Harvey Firestein came back as Edna Turnblatt. You had Martin Short as Wilbur uh, Turnblatt. Derek Huff as Corey Collins. Christian Chenoweth as Velma Von Tussel. Ariana Grande as Penny Pinkleton. You also had Duff Cameron as Amber Von Tussel. You had, who else do you have in here? You had uh, Garrett, Garrett Clayton as Link Larkin and Ephraim Sykes as Seaweed, uh, Jay Stubbs. You had Sean Hayes as Mr. Pinky, Rosie O'Donnell as the gym teacher, and honorary Canadian Andrea Martin as Pretty Pinkleton. So talk about a cast. Martin Short is Canadian, is he not? He is. Well, you, you said Andrea Martin. I said she's an honorary Canadian. Well, yeah. Yeah, I guess so. For, for all her work. Canadian. Uh, we do have... Hairspray making a comeback to the stage. Yes. It was scheduled for a 2020 Western revival featuring Michael Ball reprising his role as Edna Turnblatt. And it was scheduled to open in, in the spring. However, due to the virus, it has been postponed to 2021. There, are, there have been quite a few notable Ednas that have taken on the role. I mean, you have a he did. He did do very well. Yeah. in it but you also have uh george went from oh, cheers. cheers he played norm yep he played it yeah. you have paul c avoid a mad tv thing stand-up comedian john annette six-time emmy winner bruce belanche and also and also laverne and, Th and shirley star michael mckean who have all taken on the role of edna so it's quite a few there's been quite a few big names that, that have brought it, that have brought some life to Edna. I would love to see Norm from Cheers do it. That's somebody I would love to see. Yeah. Uh, performed it. That's definitely for sure. And then in regards to the role of Tracy, it has proved to be a major kind of kickoff point for a lot of actresses. However, there's been some issues with uh, what happens to them after they portray Tracy. You know what's happened to them? There are no more roles. Mm. No, one, no one will take a chance on them. And that really yeah. irritates me. Marissa, she is a Tony Award winner, extraordinary talent. And yes, she is. come on, Broadway do Let's better. Let's give it a... yeah. I, I, Well said. You know, we have to do better. Yeah. Better. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, let's stop idealizing body image. Come on. Mm. Let's do better. Yes. Yes. Like there, there are so many rules. So yeah. many rules. 
that that this 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 phenomenal artist could do. Yeah. So do it. And well said. Please, like, like, cast cast Marissa as a lead, not as a supporting fun role. Like, yeah. let's not go there. Let's let's. Yeah. Give her. Uh, get, yeah, yeah. She she clearly can 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 run a show. Yeah. Okay. Autumn, what was your first experience with this musical? How'd you come to it? You know, it's funny. I I came to this musical um, when it first like when it first I mean, I had seen the movie when I yeah. was younger. Yeah, I probably should what? have, but I did. We watched a lot of Vers- my. It's my brother's fault. I'll blame I'll blame Stuart Smith. <laughs> he was the bringer homer of of naughty films, <laughs> and I don't know why I was the one that always got. Well, I know I was I was probably that child too. I was like. Yes. Stuart, keep bringing these home. These are great, right? Yes. Um, so maybe my brother is to blame for my artistic sensibilities. There you go. You like that I give him credit like that. Way to go, Stu. But then I like I heard it when it first came out, and I I was like, oh, I was very angry. I remember being very angry. And going, why? Because at the time I didn't appreciate what it was oh. and I was like oh, this is just musical fodder musical theater fodder w- bring on Les Mis bring on Miss Saigon Let's do those again bring on the heavy hitters like I was in a heavily dramatic phase obviously oh. boring boring Smith find your humor but then I saw it I I went when Mervish brought it oh yes I sat there in absolute, utter amazement, awe, and joy watching this story unfold. So by the, by the time the ending came, I was on my feet. I was the first person. There's rarely a theatrical experience where I'm the first person on my feet. It has only happened twice in my life, Hairspray being one of them. The second time was Blackwatch by the, the National Theatre of Scotland, John Tiffany acting. Those are the first, those are the only two where I was the first on my feet to go, yes, this is the best thing. And I didn't want it to stop. I wanted more and more. Like I was like, ah, I don't want to leave the theater right now. And I I rarely leave a theater feeling elated. Mm -hmm. And I had the elation of Mm. knowing that it didn't matter it didn't even matter if it was the best thing in the world. It just made me happy. And yeah. I realized in that moment that sometimes theater can make you happy. <laughs> yes. And that's okay. There are many different ways to tell a story. So uh, I owe a massive debt of gratitude to these people uh, yeah. that, that created this musical because it, it, it altered my perspective. And that is why, that's another reason why I chose it. Because it was, it was great. And then, you know, in my, my time as an adjudicator, I've seen it done. And it's always, I always leave with the same feeling. Even if it's, mm-hmm. you know, not the best production. I'm like, who cares? I love it. The kids, my kids love this musical. It's good. repeat. It's on constant rate. Can we listen to Hairspray? Can we listen to Hairspray? I'm like, yes, this is great. Yes, absolutely. And they, they watch it and they love it. 
And yeah, this is one of those musicals that's accessible and for kids, for ki- for everybody. Like mm-hmm. it's catchy, but it has a really yeah. great story, mm-hmm. and they, they come at you in a fun way, so you don't realize that there's lessons to be learned until afterwards. You're like, yeah, I agree with that. It's like <laughs> amazing, amazing. Well done. Yeah. yeah. Well, I came to this through the film, John Travolta. I remember getting the DVD for Christmas. That was, was one like, of my Christmas gifts. Was this a Friday night rental for you? No, this was given to me and I watched it on my own. My parents had no desire to watch this. <laughs> my dad thought it, my, my, my dad couldn't get over the weird prosthetic John Travolta. Oh, he, come he, on. He, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, since then, I mean, I I performed "You Can't Stop the Beat" a number of times. Oh, it's it, it, like concert choirs, showcases. It's all, it's been a finale song I've done numerous yes. occasions. And, and then I did watch the NBC Live version. I I, I did tune in for that because I love Christian Chenoweth. I do, and I, and I had to see what she was going to do with uh, Velma von Tussle, and she yes. totally killed it. Of course, she did. She's such an odd human being. Um, but she, Oddly wonderful. Yeah, she has some weird value systems that I'm just like, how are you in theater? Uh, but there she is. Like, she's just, she's, she's great. She's really great. She's a wonderful, sincere person. Like, she's wonderfully sincere. She cut, I, 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 I read her book that she wrote all about her life it's fantastic and girl like she can sing she get that girl can sing she can sing opera she can sing broadway and and she just seems like one of the most genuine nice people like everybody who works with her just seems to have nothing but nice things to say about working with her where they just go she is an absolute wonderful person we work with and we need to get her back on broadway with another broadway show because she is like she was a beautiful kunaganda and candide Yes, like a fantastic Linda. Glitter, like, like, glitter and be gay is one of the hardest songs to sing in the musical theater canon. And, and she killed it. She kills it. She's just, she's just a bit odd, aren't we all in our own ways? That's the joy of theater. We're all, we're all a little That's bit right. odd. We're, we're the, we're the island of misfit toys. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, yeah, for the, the most part, yeah. For the most part, yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's. Yeah, that is my experience with the show. So, Autumn, what is your first song? You Can't Stop the Beat. was my number two it's in, in yeah. infectious beyond infectious in the best possible way i have used it in every dance class i have ever taught you can dance with adults you can dance to it with children it's mm-hmm. and it's like you can't stop me from dancing 
And, you know, as a kid that grew up dancing, it was the only thing I looked forward to in, in my life. I just wanted to dance. And it's about the music and how the music moves you and, and coming together and how dance creates community. And it's for everybody. Dancing is yes. for everybody. You know, yes. it's, it's a communal, it's for seaweed, watermouth, yeah. Mabel. It's, mm-hmm. you know, yes. it's for everybody. It, it, it is transcendent like music. Mm-hmm. It is transcendent. Yes. And I will say this is easily in my top five musical finale songs of all time. Yes. It is, it, it, it is an 11 o'clock song into midnight. So it's, it's just like Rose's turn where it does, where it does the both at the same time. Uh-huh. It, and the energy just oozes out of this number. And, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's that perfect tie up with a bow ending. It forces uh, for, you to dance in the audience. You cannot. That's exactly it. Still. You cannot. Yes. It's a. It's very infectious. Yeah. And yet, at the same time, the lyrics are very powerful. Whereas that whole concept of you can't stop time, like time will continue no. forward. It, it's and, the same thing that we have to remember dealing with Trump right now. Is yes, this is a tough time, but ultimately, you can't stop the hands of time. We will continue forward and things will change because that is just part of the circle of life. Yes, exactly. Momentum. It's momentum. Yes. Yeah. And this song has it in spades. mm -hmm. And I mean, the moment where Edna comes out of the um, hairspray canister in that beautiful glittery red dress. Oh my God. It's never... It, it, it's it's theater magic where like every time you I watch clips of it, people audibly gasp. Yeah, they don't see it coming. It's yeah. so great. And get my oxygen tank is one of my I love it. Yes, get me yes. some oxygen. Uh, it's great. It's great. Or or you can't, or, stop, my, you can't stop my knife and fork because I see a Christmas see a, ham. A Christmas ham. Like it's it's unapologetic. You can't stop my. Cause I like the way I am And you just can't stop my knife and fork When I see a Christmas ham So if you don't like the way I look well I just don't give a damn And, yes. it's, it, and that's what I love about it It's like, you know what? You think, you think this is for just you people? Well, you know what? It's not The whole yeah. world is doing this And yeah. we're going to show you how it's done It's great mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's unapologetic. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's a great number one. That's a great number one choice. My number one, though, is Welcome to the 60s. Yeah, it's like, which for me, for someone who has struggled with their weight and finding confidence in yourself is, is huge. And this number, you watch it and, and you feel good. You feel like, yeah, I should go out into the world and be proud and be myself. And 
And Edna's journey throughout that whole song is so wonderful because you see her come out of the house and she's nervous and she's scared of what people are going to think of her. And yet she gets this beautiful realization of it's okay. And she gets, and she gets the makeover to make herself feel good on the outside as well as on the inside. And it totally. Her her journey of self-acceptance. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, And it's so wonderful. And once again, it's a moment where it's one of the fastest quick changes in the Broadway canon that the actor, the actor has to do. And, And when they come out, after, beca- after being frumpy and drab, and they come out in this beautiful outfit, once again, the audience gasps. It's, yeah. it's, it's, something, it's, something that, it's something that wonderfully surprises the audience every time. You know and what's it's, funny? It, we say so frumpy good. and drab, but the only reason why she's, like, why Edna is frumpy and drab is because she lacks confidence. That. She could still walk yeah. a sweatsuit. Like, well, she does. Later on in the show, we do see that in Act Two, where she has the kind of the same nightgowny look, but she's got confidence now. She's done her hair. She uh, she's ta- she's taking personal pride in herself. Yeah, and that's what this number is about. It's about taking personal pride in yourself and saying to hell with the world. I'm going to embrace me, and this is her step to doing that, and it's wonderful. And, you know, the other thing that I, I do love this song, it's not on my um, my top three, but I, look at, I could, this whole musical could be a top three for me. I, I it, love, it could be. I love this musical. But what, what the other thing I love about this musical is that it acknowledges the fact that youth are smarter than adults. Yeah. Because in certain situations, yes. They, well, in most, in all situations. I'm going to be as bold as... Yeah. It because you know what they haven't learned to be boxed in and mm. the more we age the more we get settled into these compartments of, well, like edna right at, at the beginning of the show like she's like i can't go out in the world because mm-hmm. i i am the way i am I, I, yeah and whereas tracy's like i'm the way i am too but good morning baltimore i don't care yeah she helps she is the the visionary that gets edna out of the house Yes. And helps her see her potential and um, not even her potential, but just realize that her worth, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, kids are, youth are curious. And when we age, we lose that curiosity. And I think that mm-hmm. is really sad. I think it's mm-hmm. really sad. But I think that's why youth, um, no, sure, they don't have the book learning or they don't have, you know, the life experience. But life experience kind of just jades us even more if we let yeah. it, you know? We, we get into these patterns of aggression and anger and resentment of what has been rather than going, okay, what have I to learn from this? How can I be curious about yeah. it? How do I move forward? Yeah. We'll do that. We get, we get very stuck. We get very stuck. Mm-hmm. Look at I, I try to be as an empathetic human being. It's some things I'm stuck on, and I know I am. I'll <laughs> learn. I, I got to learn from my own words here. But, yeah. you know, that's kind of the problem with aging. We, we, yes. get to, we get to know too much, and therefore we think we know everything. Yeah. There right? you go. Well said. So I, I, do like, I do like this. I do like this number for that reason. You're abs- that's mm-hmm. great. 
Great mm-hmm. choice. What is your number two? Oh, all the rest. No, just kidding. My second one is Good Morning Baltimore. make my list but it is a beautiful opening number i it's just like talk about taking a place that has been vilified and Mm. talked about as a dirty city and blah 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 and giving it new life who cares if there's a flasher who lives next door let's look at that (laughs) it takes all kinds right and that's what this song does it's like this is my city i love my city good morning to everyone, all the people who inhabit this place, that create this community, this mm-hmm. unique community, let's enter this day without judgment. Let's go. Yes. Like, yes. Again, it shows her remarkable empathy and kindness mm-hmm. in the world. And like, God, just amazing. Amazing. It endears her to the audience right away. It does the job of giving her an I want song. As well as, in, as as well as endearing her, it's it's that perfect mix of uh, make uh, of, of creating this beautiful life character that we all just love to be around. Like she is that person that that you know, even if you're not a morning person, she is a morning person, and she just welcomes the world every day. Her and joy it's is beautiful. Contagious. Yes, exactly. Her joy is contagious. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and it's, and it, and it, and, it, and it, the writers did a perfect job of paying their homage to, oh, what a beautiful morning. It's just that same, Absolutely. same bit of curly coming in from the meadows. It's that same, yeah. her taking the day. And I love the stagecraft of them with the over the head kind of ceiling shot of her lying in bed standing up. And then it, oh, it, yeah, at it's the beginning of the show, great. it's, it's great. great. It's great direction there that I've seen. It's kitschy, it's fun, and it is. It is that, like Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. it starts with joy. Like there's this like, oh, wow, I'm in. Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's nothing souring it. You know what I mean? There's no Mm -hmm. underlying, oh, what's going to happen? You know? Yeah. No foreboding in it. So, yes, I agree. I love it. I, I absolutely agree. What's uh, my, oh, my, well, well, my number two is you can't stop the beat. So my you. number three is you're timeless to me. Styles keep a changing, the world's rearranging, but Edna, you're timeless to me. Hemlines are shorter, a beer cost a quarter, but time cannot take what comes free. You're like a stinky old cheese, babe, just getting riper with age. You're like a fatal disease, babe. 
cure, so let this fever rage. Of course it is. <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, you know I've got to have one fun song in there. But mind you, this is a beautiful love duet. It's, yeah, it's a gorgeous. It's, it, it, it's, it could be sung by any couple. Gay, straight, yeah. old, young. Like, it's that whole concept. And it shows how genuine and good and decent Wilbur is. It shows where Tracy gets her empathy from. Yeah. Where, like, he doesn't care about his wife's size. He, he loves her for who she is. Yeah. Fancy clothes or not. And it's, 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 it's the comedic version of Do You Love Me from Fiddler. It's that same type of... Yeah, you're right. It's that... That coming together of unlikely lovers, right? Yes, exactly. And, and them seeing each other and us getting to see them. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, yeah. In, in that way, I, I, I really like it too. Mm-hmm. And you know, what, is, what is, I love about this, this is about working class people. Yeah. It's your average Joes singing mm-hmm. a song. And, yeah. And, you know, I, I love that. I, I do love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, also, I love all the great dad puns that are in this song, and it's very similar to Brush Up Your Shakespeare, where it's set up a joke, hit the joke, set up the joke, hit the joke. Like, like, like what's the one? You're like a ripe old smelly cheese babe, just getting riper with, with age. age. Yeah, and it's so sweet, and it brings down the house it, it uh, is. every time. And it, what's neat is it's full of sexual tension. Like there's sexual passion in this song. Like there, like, like between those two characters, there's something sexy about it. Watching these two. It's like watching your parents sing a love song. Like to yeah. me, that's what it's like. Cause that's what my parents would be like. And there's yeah. sexual tension, whether yeah. I want to admit it or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't want to think about it on my parents' front, but as characters, like you right. sometimes missed. In, in, in older love songs, like "Do You Love Me," listen back. definitely. If your parents didn't have sexual tension, I wouldn't have a podcast partner. That is true. That is true. Oh. But I don't want to think about that. I don't want to oh, think about on. that. But that being said, like they are, like, yeah, like it's, it's one of those older love songs that has sexual I think passion and tension in it. That that some of the older that some of the older love songs. For older characters, don't. A, a, a lot of the older ones can be sweet and about old love. This is like, no, we're still hot and heavy for each other. Yeah. Like, like it's yeah. it's great. It's great. It's wonderful. I love. But, and you I, don't I love this song. you don't hear a lot of love songs between people of that age. No, you don't. So no, that well, uh, that in yeah. itself sets it apart. Do you love me? Yes. It's another one. That's the yeah. Or too many mornings. It is a love song. It's a love song between working class older human beings, which I. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. not my third song though. <laughs> no. What is your third song though? Uh, this is hard. I know it's a Sophie's choice. But I'm 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 gonna go with I know where I've been. There's a light. darkness though the night is black as my skin there's a light burning bright 
showing me the way but I know where I've been I was about to I, I, I was going when I was making my list I was like I bet Autumn's gonna put that song on her yeah. list which is why I was like I'm gonna put something else on mine yeah we talk about well, more of the songs it was between that and I can hear the bells because I love I can hear the bells but I know where I've been just has the It has weight. Yeah. It has Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's 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 legacy and it's it's Mm -hmm. about legacy of culture. Mm -hmm. Cultural legacy. Mm -hmm. And I love it. And I love that that is a huge part of this story. Yeah. I agree. You know, and I love that. Penny and seaweed get together it just is like love like talk about great supporting characters yes yes you know? they have great arcs to them. like just about celebrating perceived and I say perceived otherness because what is normal I don't mm-hmm. normal is a societal thing that shouldn't exist it's just whatever perceived otherness and I <laughs> I love that we get to go there. I love that we get to protest. I love that the perceived oddballs come together and yeah. force change. Because that's mm-hmm. how change, I guess, comes from this large conversation. But, you know, yeah. we should all be treated equally and everyone should be have mm-hmm. access to telling story in whatever way they want to tell it, you know, yeah. We all we're made of our stories. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's what that's what makes this song important. Mm-hmm. But I will say this song is so real. I I there's something about you could take this song, transport it back to the 1960s when the civil rights were happening and the marches were happening, and this song would fit like a glove. Thomas Meehan and Shaman and Whitman wrote us wrote an anthem for the show yeah. that 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 people can use today that so many of these songs could be an anthem like i i would love a president to get up and saying you can't stop the beat watch me go like you you can't stop the hands of time let's let's keep going let's keep going forward let's go forward collectively let's bring the people together and then you've got yeah. this right it's like this is and it's still why in God's name, do we still have people shooting each other in the states? I the, the that the the most recent incident of the man going jogging, jogging. Yeah, yeah, that was. And that's two two you know guys get out and they're like, we're gonna go on a hunt. What, mm-hmm. Where are we? What mm-hmm. world? Are you living yeah. in mm-hmm. that you think that that, and where is the law to dictate that that is not okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trayvon Martin, the biggest injustice ever, like just ridiculous. And then there was a, another woman that no one's talking about that was shot in her own home. Why is this happening by, by the cops, by two white cops? Why is this happening? I don't know. I can't wow. tell you. There's some there's some deep-seated things in there that is a bigger conversation. But so, yeah, but 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 that song has that weight. That like 
I know where I've been that like that song carries that history and that weight yeah. and that's why people use it now today and, and it has that like, like watching Jennifer Hudson sing that in the live version what's powerful she, she had strength in this song that just carried it through there's a struggle that we have yet to win and there's pride in my And it's great. Yeah. Even Queen, uh, Queen Latifah does a great rendition of this in the oh, full version. Queen Latifah can do anything. There we go. Okay. okay. So now we're on to the top three songs we either skip or would cut. I have three. I know, Autumn, you don't have, I, 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 I know you said you didn't have any. I, I don't. This one, though, is The Legend of Miss Baltimore Crabs. Oh, my God, how times have changed. This girl's either blind or completely deranged. Oh, but times seemed to haunt when I was Miss Baltimore Crabs. Childhood dreams for me were cracked when that damn Shirley Temple stole my freaking ass. But the crown's in the vault, and when I won Miss Baltimore, cry. Oh, come on, it's brilliant. <laughs> when done properly, but it's not done properly. It's overacted. The actresses who play Velma mm-hmm. overact the song, and it, and it misses the danger of this song. And that's where this song runs into a problem. Like this song should be like Jaws swimming through the water and you don't know where it's going to, like where this shark is going to strike. And yet this, and that's what this, and that's what that song needs to be. And it doesn't hit that. Oftentimes it's just played for over the top schmackty acting instead. And and, and like, even the writers had troubles with this part of the show. Like there were two, two other songs that that went here originally there was one that was called Velma's Cha-Cha and the other was called The Status Quo which which were two very interesting songs which I'd love to hear before they went with Miss The Legend of Miss Baltimore Crabs but like for me I just go it like people don't play it right you need to give Velma like that's why I like the Michelle Pfeiffer version you can laugh but life's a test don't do this don't do that remember Mother knows best for the crowns in the vault from when I won Miss Baltimore Crabs. These steps are perfect ammunition. Let me show you how your mommy dear took out the competition. Girls, go get them. Boys, let's rumba. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Those poor runner-ups might still hold some grudges. They powdered their cups, but 
But I skirt the judges, those broads thought they'd win If I played, they would spin in the dance <laughs> Not a chance She played that character with real danger There was something dangerously scary about Michelle Pfeiffer Where, I don't, where okay. she played that waspish character really scary Well, there was that's something... her hit, right? She plays waspy well she but, does, but there's something scary about her in that song. And this song needs to be scary. She's the villain of the story. Okay, so I'm glad you said that. Because mm-hmm. I don't see her as a villain. Uh, here we go. I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. Some people are just not nice. Velma's not nice. She's a racist. Through yeah. and through, even at the end of the show, but, when no. they announce she's going to be the, 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 the female figure for the black hairspray line. She hates it. She faints. It's, it's, meant, it's meant as a joke that she's going to be that. It's not, it's not a... Knows. The only thing we're ever afraid of is the unknown. That is mm-hmm. what fear is. And I, I think she represents the status quo of America. She mm-hmm. certainly represents the, the Trump supporters. She is kind of like the Sarah Palin of the piece. There. Yes. I've said it. She is Sarah Palin. In fact, I would pay... Uh, lots of money to watch Sarah Palin play this role. I think <laughs> in Arcadi, there you go. Sarah, Sarah Palin. Uh, as Sarah Palin, uh, 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 yeah, as, uh, oh. as Velma Von as Tussle. Right. But mm. it's, it's complicated. She's not a bad person. It's just, she is a bad person. No. She's an awful racist character. Okay, fine. If you want to go there, Yes. <laughs> On the outside, yes, she is. But we have to, th- this is where we get stuck as society. We go, they're villains. Why are they villains? That's my question. They're villains because they're racist. Why are they racist? Well, because that's their culture, but unlike other uh, characters. Who, right. So I'm like, not like Mrs. Pinkleton, her. who originally starts out not liking the black characters she changes by the end when her daughter changes by the end Velma has not changed or grown as a character her and Amber will be the same they will always be that suburban waspish racist people as the world changes maybe they won't I think this is where we need to shift the conversation because if we constantly say oh it's going to be them over here and other people over here we don't give anyone room for growth. I'm always willing to let people grow and change, but wow. Velma's a character that's written that will not change. You don't Even know at that. the end. You don't know she, that. She, did, she doesn't like the new promotion. It's played as a joke that she's going to be the, the, the white spokesperson for the new black hairspray line. Well, and she, and maybe. And you, and you see it on her face. It's like she faints. She faints from, 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 from finding out that's what that job, she's all excited about the promotion that, that they announced you're going to get a car, you're going to guild of travel, you're going, to be, you're going to be the head of this new division. Oh, and by the way, it is a black hairspray line. Faint, she hates it. There's no evolution to her. She, fine, yes, that is what she knows in that moment. But if you were to write hairspray school, where it's all about the black hairspray line, and her trying to figure out her parameters within it, I think you would see her change. Yeah, but that's writing it into a sequel. This is, we're working with what we got. I know, but 
Anybody can change. We can't. That doesn't mean they will. Right. No, maybe they won't. Lots of people don't change because they're afraid. Because they're afraid if they change, who will they be in the world? That's true. I, I, I like to think there's some kind of redemption for her down the road. I don't, I don't think she will stay the same if she's working on a black hairspray line. I think she'll get to know people. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a fear of what we don't know, right? Up until that point, up until the civil rights point, like movement, white people only knew, you know, our, our black um, neighbors as in, in, in servitude or in slavery mm -hmm. or, yeah. Uh, this was how society um, placed them into their roles. It came mm -hmm. from colonization, which is, you know, uh, capitalist power struggles. So once again, mm -hmm. it's the top down. The top down mm -hmm. needs to shift. We need to shift our perceptions. And we, should. We, we only shift perceptions by allowing conversations and curiosity to be at play. But is Velma one that will allow conversations and curiosity? Right. And I think she I will know. see that it's, I think she will. I think she will. <laughs> I don't think, oh my. I don't think this piece villainize, I don't think it vilifies anyone. I think it gives everyone an opportunity. And I, that's what I like about it. Yeah, the ending does give it a very nice, happy ending. Which yeah, is, so we're going to get come on, tussles. We're, your bums. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, which is something I'm glad they cut from the film version with Michelle Pfeiffer and John Travolta because I was like, no, they deserve, she deserves to be fired for what she did. And Amber doesn't get the guy. She deserves to kind of have a moment where she's kind of considering the, like, a, a new world. But it's, it's left ambiguous. Yeah, the musical wraps that up in a really nice bow. I'm like, we don't need that. It defeats the purpose of the musical. It's like, come on, Von Tussles, join in. They're like, no, we can't. Yes, you can. No, we can't. Yes, you can. And then they go, yes, yes, we can. They have a moment. It allows them to turn. Mm. It allows the turning, I think. That is I, true. You know, that's what the musical is. And I think they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have done that. That's the one thing I don't like about the, the, the movie version. <laughs> Like, you don't need a villain. What is a villain? Like, uh, it's someone who's, who's lost. Like, who's lost in, 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 or been pressured by society. Like, there is, there's overwhelming factors to villains, and we need to be kinder to them. Fair even, enough. Even people who can't change, you, you pray that they will change, that they will become smarter, that they will. And why should they become smarter to fit your version of them? I don't know. Like there's so many can go down the rabbit hole. You can, you definitely the rabbit can. hole. Okay. Yeah. Like what is but Yes. Legend of all these things. There you go. Mm -hmm. Why yeah. are we here? What is our purpose? Existential crisis. Ah!
Yes, the yeah, that is true. But yes, Legend of Baltimore Crabs is my is, right. is a song that needs to be performed correctly, and I haven't seen it done correctly on stage. Like you watch the original Broadway clips, and it is very over the top. Like even Christian Chenoweth, when she did it on the TV uh, on that live version, was very over the top dramatic with it. Not a chance, cause I hit the stage, but tons of plays. While belting high seas and preparing cheese souffles. But that triple somersault was how I clinched Miss Baltimore Crabs. Oh, almost dinner time. Shouldn't you be waddling along? Amber, haven't I taught you not to judge a book by its cover? No. Oh, this is America, where everyone deserves a separate but equal chance to fail. I'll handle this. And it was like, you know, Velma doesn't need to be over the top. She can, like, this is her manifesto. Of, of what she believes in the world, that you got to cheat to win, then play that with sincerity. And that's what Michelle Pfeiffer did. And that's why her version is my favorite. Is she the best singer? No. But she acted the heck out of that song. And I believed who she was as a character. Yeah, I felt there was struggle there for her. Mm-hmm. Like she was a Sarah Palin to me. I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. I'm just waiting for you to say, I can see Alaska from my bedroom. <laughs> Like, there are parts of Sarah Palin that are very endearing. Like, same with she's a great mom. Same yeah, with she's a great Like, yeah. uh, you you made you made choices, but yeah, you made choices. Apparently, evil. No, did society screw you over? Yes, and you're you know you're up. Like, I don't think I'm, not very many people are born inherently evil. There's many different things that factor into um, creating into that. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. My number two okay. is the Big Dollhouse. Locked up with all these low-life women and horizontal stripes ain't exactly slimming. Is there anybody here who can dry clean my blouse? It's the maid's day off in the Big Dollhouse. Check, I think I left the iron on. Did you see Corny laughing? I could murder that louse. Honey, that'll get your life in, in the big dollhouse. Big house. Which is the opening to act two. But it's, it's, I skip it every time. Well, it's so yeah. unnecessary. And in every adaptation they've done, uh, whether it's the NBC Live version, the movie version, they cut this song. Yeah. It, a clear, a, a clearly even Mian, who, who adapts all these different versions, yeah. No, we don't need it. It's so, not necessary. Yeah, I guess so. I still listen to it, but whatever. It it, it doesn't do anything for me. It do, it doesn't do anything for me. I just go skip. It, yeah, it's an act two opener fun. number to get to get, give people extra time to get to get to get their bums in the seats. Yeah, that's what it is. That's fine. That's what it's it's cell for. block it, tango. It, that's for sure. Yeah. So yeah. So if you're not a cell block tango, no. And then my number three is cooties.
because I, I don't like the song. It's just insulting weight and racial insults that Amber is just continually throwing throughout the song. And it's not something we need. It's not funny anymore. I, 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 Amber's one liner she throws throughout the show have some comedy to them. And, and in this one, there's just no comedy to it. It's just, here's a mean song for the mean blonde girl to sing about, uh, about somebody who's overweight. That's all it is. There's, there's, there's no depth to it. It's just, this is a mean song to sing. And it's not something we need at this point in the show. You can cut it and it would be okay. It's just, yeah, I just don't, I, I, I just, I just don't like it. It's just mean for the sake of mean. Because it's like, did you get the point? Amber's a mean person who doesn't deserve to win this at the end but, of the show. Uh, 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 akin to Baltimore Crabs, like you need the foil. Right? Yeah, uh, but Baltimore Crabs has some depth to that song. But there's a reason why Amber, but Velma is older. So, of course, there's more depth than a teenager. Mm-hmm. And think about it it's a bullying song. Mm-hmm. And why do bullies bully? Well, that's a bigger question there. It's a bigger question. And mm-hmm. I think if done properly, this song could be, we start to see the unraveling of Amber. Like she's fighting. She's, she's, she doesn't understand what's happening in her world. She's this perfect child. Her mother is seemingly perfect. She's the executive of the show. You know, she's like, everything is going well. Why is this happening? What is, mm-hmm. like, in comes this person that uh, society deems other and mm-hmm. why is she stealing my man? Why is she getting the role? Why are people paying attention to her? I don't get it. Like, I played mm-hmm. by the rules. What is, where's my problem? Why am I not winning? Yeah, why am I not winning for doing everything I should have done? Yeah, and maybe there's a piece of Amber that that's all she knows. Mm. I call it the pretty girl syndrome. Like, not interesting, but it, not being interesting must be very hard. Mm-hmm. Like there's no struggle, but when you're faced with struggle, whoa, how do you manage? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many stories have been written about pretty girls or pretty men or pretty people mm-hmm. who have mm-hmm. had the fall. Right. Well, yeah, that's usually handle it. the two different types of Disney stories, right? There's either the one where it's the outsider coming into a community or it's the insider who falls out of a community and has to come and has to work their way back into a community. Those yeah. are usually the two Disney trope storylines you get for a protagonist. But, but that is the only way s- stories about pretty people are interesting. It must be very hard to get over mm-hmm. that. You want to be mm-hmm. a sum of yourself, not just pretty. Yeah. Well, in that case, Autumn, I, I will have to see you direct to this song to see if it will move less because... If there is depth to this song, then I guarantee you will be the one to find it and bring it out. There's always depth to a bully. There should be. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean it's always shown in, in, in media depictions. Well, then Sometimes it's just played as the mean God. blonde girl. I mean, that's why Mean Girls is such an interesting movie. It's because Regina George does have some depth to her about why is she the way that she is. I, I mean, it's about, it's about maintaining your position. Mm-hmm. And a lot of bullies are bullies because they've been bullied themselves. Yes. Right? So again, we go into the idea of the cyclical behavior. Mm-hmm. And that is 
there's got to be a way to stop cyclical behavior. Racism mm-hmm. exists because of cyclical behavior. Homophobia yes. exists because of cyclical mindsets. Mm-hmm. With, without that cyclical learned behavior, maybe we could, oh, form our own ideas through curiosity and conversation. I don't know. Be a more open, welcoming society. Cool. Cool, cool idea. So then, Autumn, where, where do you sit on should the show be revived? Yes, yes. or no? Uh, yes. Perfect. All the time. I agree with you. Yes. I think Mihan needs to continue updating the book because I think he's had better concepts at, uh, throughout the, the different adaptations. Like watching the original tour show that I watched, the book was still very clunky where it was kind of like song, like dialogue, song, dialogue, song. It was kind of just plunking along. Yeah. The more modern, uh, the more updated that he's done to it, the more natural the songs and the story have flowed together. Like for some, uh, when you watch the original stage show, the Courtney Collins number, the nicest kids in town, which is a great number, comes out of nowhere. It's like is, there, there's no in-between scene setting up the rest of the world before yeah. it's good morning Baltimore and then it's, oh, apparently now we're not good morning anymore. We're now end of the day and it's Courtney Collins show. Right. Um, but like me and I updated the book to now where there is some middle ground, some middle scene in there that fills oh. out the world a little bit more when you watch the later adaptations that he's done. So I, that's what, that, that's where I go. Me and done a great job updating it for different forms, whether it's a live TV event or a movie. Uh, I would love to see him kind of go back into the book again and smooth it, smooth it out a little bit more. Cause I think this definitely will be coming back to Broadway. It, it deserves a place on Broadway. It's a great show, and especially now with where we are in the world of um, racial tensions again, with what's happening. We need a story like this never to end. remind people. They've never well, ended. Of course it never ends. Yeah. They never ended. It never has. It has never ended. Because, you know, if, if, if we're, we go into... Full acceptance, we, we have this perceived notion that we are going to lose power in some way. Mm-hmm. Crap. Take off. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. There's, I have so many thoughts on this. But that will, it will take like eight hours, 10, 12, a lifetime of conversation. That will be a Patreon conversation. But there we go. We both agree. Definitely needs to be revived. Definitely still is a place. It's, totally. It's, it's, it should it's, be it's more popular than Chorus Line, Cats. Phantom, it should run and run and run. Everyone on this earth it's, should see this musical. It's joyous celebration of life. And on that note, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, thank you again to Mr. Brody Wells for okay. writing our fantastic theme music. And once again, find his new track, Home Decor, all but, uh, for, all but household furniture and fatherhood on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, all, 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 all platforms. Yeah. And then find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Before the Downbeat because we do every week, whether it's a fun fact leading up to the episode or clues leading up to the reveal of our next episode. And we have people guessing more, which is fantastic. People are throwing some really great guesses that I love seeing people think of shows that, that we can do down the road. So thank you so much for that. And follow us on our Patreon, where you can donate a little bit every month to keep the lights go on here. And in return, we'll give you movie musical commentaries, top 10 lists, 
monthly theater news reviews, all, the all types of good stuff. All the times. Yeah. And then Autumn, where can they find you? Also, I just want to say, um, like when you follow us, talk to us. Uh, Mac and I are extraordinarily curious human beings. We want to yes. dialogue with you. This is, yeah. we, we don't want this to be a one-sided conversation. We like, that's, that's boring. We could yeah, absolutely do like, meetings with you and conversations and debates. Love it. It's, it's great. Yeah. We love, we love engaging others and uh, yes, do it. Yes. We, we love mm-hmm. peoples, all the people. I love it. Yeah, for sure. You can, you can reach yeah. me anywhere uh, for conversation as well at Autumn DM Smith. Mm-hmm. Instagram. Or Facebook, you can also reach me at Littlewood Smith, which is the business yes. name. Boop, boop. Perfect. <laughs> Wonderful. And you can find me at all social media platforms at Mackenzie Horner. Just look for the ginger haired profile picture. Thank you so ah. much for listening. Remember, you can't stop the hands of time, you can't stop the beat. And the motion of the ocean. Out, the motion of the ocean. Just get out there, you know? Dance. Get out there and be involved in your community because why not? This is this is this is this is the perfect time to do that. And today there, take a dance break. Yes. Be like be like Tracy Turnblatt. Go out your front door saying good morning to the world and embrace your community. Yes. And until then, thank you everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Wilbur, get the oxygen tank. <laughs>